Welcome to Electric Liberty Land 227. And at the top of the show, guys, I got to tell you, I'm feeling under the weather. My baby's sick. I'm sick, as always happens. I swear to God, I thought it was a myth that these kids get you sick when they're sick and that they are harbingers of freaking disease, but it is a truth. However, I will say this. My B12 caffeine energy toothpicks from Zipix Toothpicks, Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com, where you can use promo code ROAR for 10% off are helping me immensely. I was chewing on one today when I was talking to Angela, my guest coming up, and I was chewing them all day today to keep my composure as I had to chase my child around, snot bubbling out of her freaking nose, man. But these toothpicks are awesome. They come in, two, in uh, caffeine, B12, but they also are nicotine infused. So primarily, most of you are going to want that, right? They get that hand-to-mouth feel. They take care of that that kind of you know succession of the craving that you get if you're a smoker or a vapor. These are FDA registered. These are made in a lab. They come in two milligrams, three milligrams, and in a variety of flavors. You are going to absolutely love them. And nobody's the wiser that you might be hitting a little bit of Nick Fix. You know what I mean? Jelly bean. Ah, am I delirious from being sick? It's possible. Anyway, check those out. Again, promo code ROAR at zippixtoothpicks.com. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. You're talking, or actually, you're not talking to. I'm talking to you. You ain't saying shit, but you are listening to a champion. Yes, you heard right. A champion. I already know you. You know I'm a champion of men, but I am now a champion of case race history. Yes, the first case race for liberty, which was hosted by Will Fight. You can find him at, at Will F-I-T-E. He had put this thing together featuring uh, some of us libertarian podcasters, and it was a hell of hell of a time. Not actually say podcasters. Twitter personalities, our buddy Toad was on there from the Tower Gang. Uh, God, just unironic Ancap was on there, although he wasn't drinking. A lot of great folks, right? Ben Arkey was on there. It was a blast from what I can remember. And the most important thing is that I won. And I won by drinking 18 beers in five hours. Now, there was some debate because I had waited till the clock was tricking, ticking down. Will Fight was ahead of me. I tied him up, right? Tied him up. And then strategically was watching him. But I had the beer bong. And as the clock ticked down to the end of this competition, I bonged that beer, put me over the top, baby, and won that shit. For Donor C, of course, the uh, not the libertarian charity we've been supporting for quite some time here at Lions of Liberty. But uh, that was awesome, man. It also... Was kind of funny is uh, Clint from Liberty Lockdown and also Reed Coverdale had both popped on. Not They were not taking part, although I know Clint was drinking. Reed, I don't think, does drink, he told me. They popped on, and it was pretty funny because Will Fight was pitching me. He's like, you should have me on the podcast. And we're all hammered, right? You know, I'm an asshole. So I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not having you on shit, loser. Loser of this case race. So instead, what I did was I had Reed and Clint on a podcast for our pride group, for our Patreon subscribers, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. So uh, yeah, Reed and Clint and I talked for about 20 minutes. Me, unbelievably drunk. Clint was somewhat drunk. And as I said, Reed, I think dead sober, but a hell of a mustache on Reed. And uh, first time I talked to those guys, look forward to the next time asking the exact same things because I don't remember any of it. 
<laughs> but it was fun. I'll definitely have them back on the show. And again, big, uh, big thanks to Will Fight for putting that case race together. It was awesome. But yeah, go listen to that. Joe, join our Patreon. And uh, yeah, it's the good stuff. The unshit, unshit, the unplanned shit, the drunk shit. That's what goes on behind the scenes at Lions of Liberty. And you have to pay for that, right? Just like anything. You go to a strip club, you got to pay to see what happens to the champagne room. All right, let's get into the show. All right, we are live here with Live to the Pride, that is, because you have to have paid, you have to be a paid member to see the beautiful face of my guest today, which is a friend of ours and, I would say, the future of the Libertarian Party from a leadership positioning, and that is the one and the only Angela McArdle. Welcome back to ELL, Angela. How you been? I have been doing really great. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's been too long. I can't remember what I had you on the last time. I might have just been to shoot the shit, but you've had so much to announce. I mean, obviously, you know, since we last spoke, at least spoke on the show, you have officially declared that you are running for LP chair. And I like you're getting out in front of it. I mean, you are uh, you're already out there campaigning. Now, tell me a little bit more about what you basically why you came around to the decision to run. I know you're a busy person. I know you've got a lot of lawyering to do in addition to all the protests you're organizing and being involved with. You were involved, obviously, where I met you with the California Libertarian Party and now the Mises Caucus. So bring us up to speed. What brought this horrible decision on? And I only say that from a position of having to deal with libertarians more than we do. Right, right. It's uh, it's challenging to deal with libertarians. They really will tax your nerves. But, you know, <laughs> I enjoy being a really stressed out person. So I think this is a great job for me. So, you know, there you go. Number one, why, why is Angela doing this? You know, maybe there's a little bit of the, the BDM, BDSM, you know, sadomasochistic (laughs) part of me. So that's right. I read your blog. I love it. Angela's flog blog. Yes. Big fan. Angela's flog blog, (laughs) self-flagellation of, uh, you know, jumping in to the Libertarian Party national chair race. Yeah, and you make so, a little money off with the cat and nine tails you sell. But anyway, so getting out to yes, jumping into yes, the yes. into the race. I have been talking about why I announced whenever I talk about it publicly, and I think everyone probably knows it's because the Libertarian Party didn't denounce the lockdowns. The National Party didn't. California did. We were very mm-hmm. open about it. We've had a ton of protests and events organized at the county level and the state party has been really supportive of it. The Colorado party has been really outspoken on this issue. Uh, as of now, the Nevada party is outspoken on it. You know, there's, there's a lot <laughs> as of, a, as of a week ago today or something, uh, the Nevada of, party, well, of, we'll get into the Nevada party. Yeah. Two days ago. So, but the national party was just totally silent. So you can go through if you really enjoy pain and you can count how many times in the past year, the Libertarian Party at the national level has spoken out against lockdowns. And it was about three tweets mm-hmm. and it was one email about it on the, the annual, the one year later, Mark. Uh, so that's just unacceptable. And we were yeah. hemorrhaging support from the Liberty community in the during the summer because we weren't speaking out about it. And there was, you know, a big uproar at the national level on their, on the committee. And, you know, you had some principal people like Karen Ann Harlos and Aaron Adams and Josh Smith speaking, speak saying, Hey, you know, we should say something. And you, everybody else is just sort of sitting on their hands. That's yeah. That's it is. I mean, it, to your point, it is fascinating to see the libertarian party based upon 
know, private property rights, your freedom, your civil rights, sit down and say absolutely nothing. I mean, it's almost like, you know, not to bring up the whole flap with, uh, you know, the Jewish stars issue, which of course drew a lot of, uh, interest in the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. But, you know, it's almost as though if people just sat back, said absolutely nothing. And then a year after, you know, the Holocaust, they were like, hey guys, you know, we probably should have done something about this. Not the best idea. And I know it's a lazy comparison, but yeah, I mean, I, to your point, the broader purposing of the Libertarian Party and its messaging from the chairman's perspective is one of the things that I found was abysmal under Sarwark and continues under Joe Bishop Henshin. I mean, that type of, I don't know, wishy-washing, almost pandering to the left is not going to help the Libertarian Party. And also, when you look at their silence in the, you know, as compo- compared to a DeSantis in Florida who has presidential aspirations, right? Do you wonder if the Libertarian Party is bleeding people to the Republican Party, oddly enough, because they're actually have somebody standing up to this? Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. When I think about liberty, one of the, the first things I think about is the not being in prison, right? The ability to move mm. about. I'm someone who is not out actively harming someone. I'm not an active shooter. I'm not smashing windows. So I'm just walking about minding my own business. This is a basic freedom. And that was taken away in a large part of the country. Mm. And so the first thing we should do if we are about liberty is to say, hey, people shouldn't be forcibly locked up in their homes. I just, I just yeah. don't understand why this is controversial or complex. And well, for the safety of everybody, Angela, you know, right. don't right. you want to kill grandma? How can you dare go to work and feed your family? Well, we want to legalize drugs. We want to legalize heroin. And we're not afraid to say that. We want to legalize sex work. And that's, you know, conservatives view that as like risky behavior. So uh, I'd also like to legalize going outside and going to the damn hardware store. Can I? <laughs> That's that is an awesome way to put it into perspective. I think for a lot of libertarians out there on how ridiculous it is to not stand up against the lockdowns in general and, and the basic right to go to work. Because, yeah, to your point, we advocate lots of things that the normal yeah. person would shake their heads at in disgust. And yet too cowardly to stand up for simply being able to go to work or, like you said, go to the park, take your yeah. kid out without having to wear a mask. It's insanity. Smoke crack? Yeah. Sit down in a restaurant for a healthy meal? Mm, millions will die. Millions will die. So maybe, you know, instead of just being the the crack smoking advocates, we could be the advocates of going outside and living a healthy, responsible, normal life. That would be just, lovely. Yeah. I just, you know, and crack smokers, you're all welcome to stay in the party. You know, we're not kicking yeah. you out. We just, just want to make room. We just want to make room for the walk down the street people. This is <laughs> well, tell me a little bit. So from your perspective, then, you know, obviously you've been running for chair for a while. Tell me what you think are, you know, what are your main planks that you're running on? Obviously sure. anti-lockdowns in general, but what are the main planks you feel need to be addressed? What are the most important things that the party has to focus on from a messaging perspective that you feel, you know, the last, the current leadership and the last leadership have let us down on? Uh, so we need to make our messaging more libertarian. So messaging is, is, the, is the first thing I'm focusing on. And there's a few things within that. Uh, one is to stop chasing the culture of the left. We're chasing mainstream culture, which right now happens to be slanted pretty far to the left. Uh, you know, And in the past, it's been to the right. But let's deal with reality right now. Uh, let's stop pandering to them. Let's stop begging for them for acceptance. Let's stop chasing that culture. And let's mm-hmm. reflect libertarian culture 
let's be counterculture, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't mean neo-reactionary. We're not doing this back and forth, left, right, left, right. Let's just be libertarian and put out principled messaging. Let's also have people who are skilled at messaging be those messengers. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that we have all had many grievances about the state of nationals, uh, social media and their email campaigns. And the reality is that we put people in who are not skilled at that job. Uh, and it's something that we struggle at all levels of the Libertarian Party as we try to find people who are good at marketing and have those skills and, you know, they're good messengers. And we don't always, you know, there's not always enough to go around. But at the national level, there is. We have a very large pool. We just need to identify the right people and get them in the right place. Well, a quick uh, question on that. Do you think that there is, you know, like, for example, I'll bring up, you know, Michael from the Mises Caucus, Michael Heiss. Is it Heiss or Heiss? I always forget. Heiss. Heiss. Right? Yeah. Heiss. I always, I, it's like one of those things I, I always question myself because every time I say it, I say heist and I'm like, but there's an E on the end. Anyway, doesn't matter, irrelevant. But he, you know, is, is taking a paid position with the caucus and people are criticizing him for that and saying, well, the chair doesn't even get paid. You know, how dare you take a paid position? But that strikes me as we're, I mean, as libertarians, inherently, you have a value. You should be paid for that value for your time. What's your time worth? I mean, we got we talk about time preference as a major part of our economic philosophy, and yet people don't feel like you should be paid for the time you put in as a chair or as you know a head of a caucus or whatever it else it is. And I think that also is one of the biggest problems when it comes down to people taking you know having the best people fill the best positions with the party because yes. you know I mean. It takes an unbelievable amount of time to run social media, to run marketing, to to be a chair. It's, I mean, to expect somebody to do that for free and to do it competently and well and make it their number one priority is insane. And yet people seem to want to shit all over anybody who wants to get paid for the position. It's because we have a loser mentality as a party. Uh, we are very comfortable being losers. We are very comfortable being volunteers, not paid employees. A lot of our best activists in the party are kind of broke. And well, I don't even mean that as a judgment. Like hey, but they've got the time. <laughs> they they focus on activism, and I've done it too. You know, I'm totally been guilty of this. They focus on activism and not their career, and so then they don't make them enough money, um, and so they're broke and they're elevated, and they're elevated in status in the party too. So mm. you know, that's like our ideal, and it's unhealthy. You know, and. Again, I, don't, I appreciate when people pour their heart and soul into the party. We need to treat them better. We need to yeah. take better care of those people uh, and and support them. So, yeah, Michael Heiss should be getting paid. I should. I am getting paid. I do get paid on Patreon. It's not. It's not uh, at the goal that I need it to be at by the time I chair national to do it full time. But I am getting paid. Uh, well, and, ahead, and plug, plug that here. Where's it? Where can people go support you on Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash Angela McArdle. Um, by the way, so what I have said about national, and by the way, I do think the position should be paid, but I don't believe that I should be the one to get the paycheck. I think I need to put in the work so that the person who comes after me can get a salary. It should be a full-time position. Uh, GOP and DNC chairs, they get paid. I believe the Green Party chair even gets a stipend. So for crying out loud, Let's professionalize and pay the people who are running this organization. Right. I, it's uh, like it, yeah, to your point, it's a loser mentality to not view yourselves as on the same level as your competitors and yes. and to foolishly think that you don't have them. You know, they're spending two hundred thousand dollars on somebody to head their 
public relations mm-hmm. campaign or probably more. They're, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a full agency, a full you know advertising strategy, a full branding strategy. Now, we don't have those resources, of course, but you know, we do have people that are passionate about the messaging like you're yes. talking about. You know, we, we can bring those people in, but it's one of those things. If you want more people to apply, like I remember famously, I talked about on the show, I had reached out to the Libertarian Party maybe seven or eight years ago. Somebody had tagged me on Reddit and said, hey, they're looking for a public relations guide. I said, okay, I'll, I'll see what they're going to pay. And it was something like $30,000 a year, yeah. right? And it's for an a full-time intern. position. It's <laughs> exactly. an intern salary. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's not good. It's not good. We need to do better. And I believe that we can do better. But part of the reason that we haven't been able to do that is because our messaging has been so awful. Who would want to pay for it? Who would want to support that? People don't want to do it. And it's understandable. So that's another thing that I, that I think that I'm doing a better job at that national as, and so has the Mises caucus is that we are listening to constructive criticism, grievances, feedback from small L libertarians. Mm-hmm. I don't mean GOP light or, you know, whatever disaffected Bernie bros. I mean, people who are principled libertarians, but they're like, I'll never join the party. And here's why this reason, this reason, this reason. And I'm just like, you know what? You got to take your medicine. You take your lumps. You're right. You guys are right. Our messaging sucks. We're disorganized. There's a massive amount of infighting. There's embarrassing things that happen and we need to improve that. And they say, thank you. I really appreciate that. Maybe I'll join if you can fix it. That's all it takes is just like a little bit of humility and, you know, and the ability to receive, take feedback and integrate it and then course correct. Right. That's Rather than instead just taking the the feedback and saying, well, you guys are clearly racist for not agreeing with the woke agenda or embrace it, you know, whatever it might be that they're putting out right. currently chasing the left. Uh, I'm sure they're ostracizing more people than they are drawing them in. So many. Yeah. So, many. so what's what's the other one? What's what else? What do we got? Okay, so we fix messaging, right? That's going to help to facilitate a lot of other positive changes. So now we can grow membership. Membership is the low-hanging fruit of fundraising. If you can't, you should be able to get $25 a year from someone. We can do that. I know we can do that. We can also probably spend a little bit less money on direct mail and the $20,000 plus paper newsprint newsletter. Uh, these are- I'm sorry, I'm looking around trying to find my invitation to the Libertarian Convention. Uh, I have it somewhere. Oh. It actually fell on the floor. The the beautiful paper postcard that was the printed. The yellow postcard. Uh, yeah, that's from the Libertarian Party of California, not national. I do apologize ah. for that. I also oh. got it. And okay, so now I didn't send that out. No, we're calling okay, out my that's... peers. We're calling out my peers, and I have called them out before, and I do it oh, with love. Man, I mean, so holy I send... shit, Angela. That wow. So not my... again, not that you sent it, not that you sent it, but I didn't wow. Send it. Okay. No, but you're right. Okay. So like I make a joke out of this is like, usually like I'm not a graphic designer, right? And my graphic design is not great, but it's not that bad. And so when I need help and it's important, I will make an awful flyer and put it on the internet, you know? And and then people are like, oh, oh," you know, they're horrified. And then they're like, let me fix that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're setting a little rabbit trap. They step into the snare and then you've got them. But that's not a bad idea. Look, like you're saying, people will help out. They feel bad for you. They'll help you out if needed. You need to ask. Ask for help. Well, and also there's just got to be somewhere out there that, you know, has a print house that could give you a deal for costs or even it's just a simple matter of, look, I know it's not cheap to send postcards. I sent postcards for my wedding, but it's also not that expensive that you need to send a flimsy. What we got in the mail, by the way, is a yellow and black, you know, three by five card 
just yellow paper, thin stock, unlaminated, uncreative. It literally looked like it looked worse than anything I've ever gotten slipped under my car windshield by a, a regional gardener. <laughs> it's like junk cash for junk cars. Like right. it's like that kind of exactly. Yeah, but gold, maybe gold in Tijuana. For, uh, yeah, it's like the yeah. third world country version of it. it's so bad. Um, it really does to... sum up the Libertarian Party though yeah. to this point. Is yeah, you know it does. second rate. Um, yeah, I mean it, it sums it up. Yep. It's really embarrassing. So we have to change that. So one of the things that I've been doing is looking, you know, I, for, for over a year, I did almost everything myself, did a lot of, I just took on a massive amount of stuff in LA County. And then I thought, okay, you've been driving the train. You've been correcting a lot of problems. What if we bring on other people with real skill sets and empower them to do things? So that was, you know, yeah. What a concept. So I've been doing that and I would love to see us do that at the national level too. Uh, you know, like people think, oh, if Angela gets in, it's going to be nothing but the Mises caucus. Da, 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 da. Well, what it's going to be are people who are skilled at their jobs. A lot of those people are the Mises caucus because we have cultivated a really good group of people. But there are people outside of the Mises caucus that I love working with because they are like have a valuable skill set and are good libertarians. These people exist, you know, we just have to stop pissing them off with our horrendous messaging. Right. Well, it's almost like, you know, again, to, to harken back to the the libertarian mindset, and, and now again, it's kind of ironic, is we also advocate for freedom of choice, free markets, right? And we say, why would anybody discriminate against, say, allowing uh, black people or Hispanics or gays into your business or hiring those people because it, it's advantageous to you as a business owner to bring those people in. Even if you might be racist in your heart, if, you know, this black guy is so good at his damn job, why would you discriminate? So, as you can see with Angela, even though she might be running and, and aligned more with the Mises Caucus, why would you turn away somebody that has such a fantastic skill set? It doesn't make sense. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help Angela or the party. It's, uh, you know, it fundamentally doesn't make a lot of sense to argue that she's just somehow going to put in a Joe Biden-esque cabinet of uh, right. sycophants and failures. Right. Well, I mean, you could look at the makeup of the L.A. County XCOM and you could see that maybe... Uh, at least a quarter of it is Mises Caucus, maybe a third. Uh, but then I've also got people who were definitely not Mises Caucus. I've got people who are senior citizens in the party. They've been around a long time. They're just kind of caucusless in general. I've got <laughs> people who I've converted from non-voting anarchism. <laughs> you know, um, I just got all kinds of people. It's What I care about is, are people good libertarians? Because you can't mm -hmm. go out hiring uh, GOP uh, you know, yeah, defects. cast offs, cast off. Yeah. People that, that couldn't cut it in the GOP and we somehow slobber over them. Yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> uh, there's not that, you know, and there's not angry woke uh, progressives either. I, I'm not going to work with them either. So, you know, spoiler alert, I will try to keep the libertarian party libertarian. Yeah. Well, it's impressive. You could win over the anarchists. So clearly you're doing something right with the messaging. If you're getting them to vote, they're getting excited. Think about that. A shocking scenario in which libertarians are actually excited about the candidate, about you, about the direction of the party, rather than simply rolling their eyes and, and gritting their teeth. Uh, and that brings me to, so let's talk a little bit about the Mises caucus, right? About yeah. what's going on there. Um, I, you know, I, I will say the lines of liberty, we do not have a formal support for any caucus. However, I myself am a, uh, a supporter. I am a member, a, a dues-paying member of the Mises Caucus. So, 
you know, that's obviously where I view the future. Uh, I would obviously vote for Angela in a heartbeat and and plan on it. But tell me a little bit about what's going on with the caucus at the moment. And I know there was just a huge win, a, I think a full sweep in Nevada, right? They just had their caucus regionally. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. So at the national level, obviously we're growing and it's really great and we're making a lot of progress in our infrastructure. We're sort of working on a cohesive social media branding right now. We're doing all sorts of really exciting stuff. We have been backing local candidates pretty aggressively in the past year. It's, it's like, it's an off season for elections, but there are still local elections popping up all over. Like we just backed a guy in Redondo beach who ran for city council, Nils Narenheim. He was reelected. He's an incumbent. So thank you, Mises caucus. Yeah. And sorry, uh, my dog just got up and I was like, what the fuck is happening behind me? Apologies if you're seeing me frantically look around. Keep talking. I'm going to mute my I mic just, and kick him outside. It's okay. I see a little tail <laughs> back and forth, like at the bottom. That's of actually me. I hide it well, but I oh, do well, have it if you ever, you know. if you ever see me nude. Well, I don't discriminate. I'm not a bigot. So, you know, I'm pro tail. But uh, what else has the Mises caucus been up to? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a crushing win in the state of Nevada. A crushing That's- win. Massive. And, and and now I believe Nevada's now their social media feeds and everything. They were ultra woke before. Right. And I also heard there was some sort of embezzlement scandal, uh, like, which is let's, you let's, know, I, hard to fault the guy. He stole a bunch of money to do cocaine and bang hookers. I mean, look, I could get behind that as a libertarian, but not if you're stealing the money. OK, so according to former representatives, he wasn't stealing the money. He was just overdrafting the card without permission every month. Oh, well, that's even worse. So then you're getting charged on top it's of not, the Yeah, it, I guess it's not <laughs> stealing if you can rephrase that. It's not stealing. It's just taking it without permission. Got it. Right. OK. Right. All right. So it's not just that the people who were running Nevada were like super woke leftists. It was a, it was a mess of just all across the board. Pick every bad thing that you could pick from any ideology, smash it into a little shit sandwich. And that's, uh, that's the Nevada LP formerly. Mm. So they were also, they also had people on who were apologists for the bombing of Hiroshima. Hmm. It's just, this it is- was a mess. Pro vaccine passport, uh, pro lockdown. Pro vaccine. And- pro, how, okay. So they're, pro, they were I mean, I openly because, pro vaccine because of their, they're putting their allegiance to their, uh, their city and their jobs. I guess because they just want vaccine passports to get Vegas back up and running, right? Is that the, the basic logic rationale behind this? I, I think they were the stay home, you know, save lives type because they're, That's, they said, we hmm. openly support free market vaccine passports. That's like saying, you know, it's I'm a banana oxymoron. octopus, but right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, oxymoron. Okay, so okay, so go on, continue, please. So they're out. Okay, so we had a really great convention uh, in, in Las Vegas, down in in Old Town, not at the Golden Nugget, where we? we were at the Plaza Hotel. Okay, nice. Historically, you had, I believe, last year you had twenty three, you had thirty one people at the at the Nevada State Libertarian Convention mm. last year. Huge turnout, right? Crowd so this surfing. year's this year's convention had. About 109 delegates, plus several guests, myself included. Big turnout because a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of big big movers and shakers in the liberty movement, and Dave Smith and Tom Woods have been promoting this thing, encouraging people to go. We got an excellent turnout. Uh, all Mises Caucus people ran, and every election was contested, and hmm. the Mises Caucus just swept every single position. So you've yeah. got. 
Charles Melchin is the new chair. He won 63 to 18 to 18, I believe, in a three-way race. Something It might have been 65. I'm, I'm close. Yeah, dominant. Uh, Jeff, yeah, Jeffrey Hurley is the new vice chair. Similar race, similar outcome. Brian Elliott is the new treasurer. He ran unopposed. Katie Banuelos is the new secretary. She she won really aggressively as well. Um, and everyone gave really fiery, intense speeches. It was really fantastic. Well, that's and, the thing is it's like people yeah. are fired up. I mean, that's yeah. that is really the difference is it's, you know, because I've been to the, the obviously the California convention uh, several times and, and some of the uh, the Los Angeles conventions. It is fun to see people actually get excited about libertarianism, you know, sure. and, and get fired up and have an opinion and, and not be afraid to sh- to share it unabashedly instead of just kind of this wheedling, you know, whining, nitpicking amongst ourselves bullshit that we have become known for. You know, it's almost like yeah. that hilarious video of the Democratic National or the Democratic Socialists where they stop each other for, you know, misgendering or for clapping because people that have, aut- you know, some sort of autism might get triggered. That reminds me of what the Libertarian Party had turned into, except with just these little minor infractions of libertarian philosophy that nobody gives a fuck about. Meanwhile, we're running away with the the train towards, Mm -hmm. you know, Pander Station. Right. So it's exciting. Yeah. So we've got all new people. Man, it was such the energy in there was was palpable. Right. Like you could you could cut it with a knife. Just like the cocaine in the bathroom. Right, right, right. Yeah, I spoke in the beginning. Anthony Samaroff also spoke. They had to, the Mises guys actually had to make motions to modify the agenda to allow speakers. And the guys who ran the event, the, the person who was chairing it, the meeting said, oh, that's not allowed. I was like, you don't, they're so out of touch. You know, right, this isn't just like a left libertarian, right libertarian thing. All libertarians have speakers at their conventions to make them fun. You know, they invite people and make it a bit. They were like, no, we don't want speakers. It's just insane. So they live in Vegas, which is one of the entertainment capitals of the world. And right. yet they don't understand the basics of entertaining people to try to move the, the ball forward. And by the way, Anthony's coming to L.A., right? You're yes. having an event on the 8th? Yes, Saturday the 8th. We were meeting at a restaurant called Mazel that was featured in the anti-lockdown documentary that the California Mises ah. Caucus put together. So awesome. I, I, full integration, right? So that'll be really cool. Um, I he, thought it was just chosen because he's a vegetarian. I was like, oh, it's a vegetarian restaurant. It just really worked <laughs> out. We've got synchronicity. We've got synchronicity. So we're excited about that. We'll be hosting him 5 p.m. Anyone is welcome to come down um, to Mazel. I will be there. Great. I will be there, so. Mark's unfortunately in Mexico, but I will definitely be there. So anybody out there in LA, uh, LA region, you know, come on out for sure. It's gonna be yeah, fun. yeah. You can yeah. hear me do my impression of Anthony to Anthony. It's gonna be fantastic. That is really good, and I think you should bring a skullet wig. Um, uh, I mean, it's not really a wig. It's just kind of like I don't know, taping some hair to the back of my head. Yeah, exactly. Just I'll just let it grow out for a week. Yeah. Well, tell so, me also yeah. about. Let's talk about dovetailing into you know we're talking about conventions here. Tell me a little bit more about the Mises event that you're having at the California convention, because this is, I I mean, I'm really interested. Obviously, Dave Smith had a conversation with Hotep Jesus, whose real name is, remind me, uh, not Brian Brian Scott. Brian Sharp. Brian Brian Sharp. Sharp. Like like Larry Sharp. Are they related? Brothers. They'll both be at the event, so you can come and find out. That is true. It's going to be sharp on sharp action. So, yes, I plan on going. 
Um, but I, I'm, I mean, it's interesting because I do feel like we have an opportunity, especially in the wake of Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump wooed more black voters to the GOP than any other candidate in history. But yet at this point, they've got to be feeling let down. They've got to be feeling disenfranchised. So there's an opportunity for us to, I think, win people over the Libertarian Party on top of just the historic, you know, mistreatment and maltreatment of the black population, primarily by government actors. Yeah. So it's fascinating to see. Hotep Jesus, be a, you know, have a conversation with Dave Smith, and now speaking at the event, the Mises event in, in California. I mean, where did this, you know, it, what do you see happening with this? Is there kind of some cross-pollination you see going on? And then tell me a little bit more about the event overall as well, because I know Thad Russell's coming too. A little bit. So I feel like what's going on right now is the Libertarian Party, at least the Mises caucus element of it. And the racist caucus. Yeah, the racist a, caucus. How dare you have a black, powerful black speaker come? Right. To, uh, so the racist caucus and the black community, we're kind of feeling each other out. <laughs> we're like, hey, you hate the government? Yeah, me too. Well, maybe we should be friends, you know? Yeah. So that's sort of where we're at. So one of the other California Mises Caucus organizers named Matthew Butts, who is also on our path. Happy birthday, by the way. He, he wanted to invite uh, Hotep Jesus. He listens to his podcast. You know, he's like, let's do this. And I was like, ah, I don't know. You know, people are going to scream that I'm an anti-Semite for the rest of my chair race, <laughs> da, 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 you know, which they are. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Invite him. I'll deal with it because it's not just about I can't put every I can't make every decision through the lens of whether or not it's going to piss off the people who hate me. Right. Is right. this good for the liberty movement? Do we need to try to build bridges with people and and feel them out and meet them in person? You know, like I appreciate Dave laid the groundwork for this by having him on his show and having discussions about, you know, yeah. various issues, you know, like race relations and and economics and counter economics. So now we're like, let's meet in person. Why don't you come and you, why don't you do a talk to the Mises caucus? We, you know, <sighs> I'm really excited for the event because it's going to be great. But I also feel that there's a little bit of pressure because there are a lot of eyes on us. People are seeing, you know, the black community and Hotep supporters want to see how does the Libertarian Party treat this man? Are we welcoming? Are we like, oh, we can't wait to invite you here so that we can ask you about every social media faux pas you've ever made in the last like 10 years of your life? That's not what I mean. Is that something you're worried about? I mean, from the Mises side, I don't think you have to worry too much about no. that, but I don't know. Maybe there's uh, sleeper agents in the the Migas caucus that are waiting to to spring these questions on him. But I have to think that, for all intents and purposes, that's probably going to be a very receptive audience. I mean, obviously, you know, Dave's audience he is Mises all the way. A yeah. lot of his audience is very supportive of that, and they understand. And anybody that's going to be coming after people for faux pas and embracing cancel culture is probably not somebody that's going to be a Mises fan in general. Right. Well, my three or four mealy mouth pencil neck haters aren't going to be allowed at the event. <laughs> Do you have a bouncer? Do you hire somebody? They'll have to arm wrestle me to get <laughs> is in. It, and is it Anthony? Is it Anthony Samaroff? I hope. No, I'm sorry. Be- you're not allowed to come in. Angela specifically told me not to let you. Excuse me. I'm talking to you. Security. <laughs> Do I have another security member? All right. Enjoy your time. I'm actually going to be the one at the door because if anyone, if anyone, I'll buy you a knife. I've got, I'm, I'm always, you know, (laughs) locked and loaded. (laughs) 
Hey, by the way, real quick commercial break, guys. If you are locked and loaded and ready for a new libertarian podcast from two Liberty Brothers. Question is, would they start off Liberty Brothers? Did they become Liberty Brothers? They're actual brothers. But did that bring them closer together? Having been on the show, I say yes. And that's the Paul's to the Wall podcast. A fantastic show you guys are going to love. Featuring guests such as Gene Epstein, Scott Horton, Jason Stapleton, myself, John Odermatt, Mark Claire. The Dirt Monster has not been on the show yet, as far as I know. But, you know, we'll remedy that. And, of course, also Eric Brakey was just on there. Uh, you got to check these guys out. They're funny. They're likable. They're knowledgeable. But they don't limit themselves just to liberty. Kind of like me. They go on tangents, talk about everything from wrestling through to barbecue through to, I don't know, jelly bean fights. I was talking about being a cool jelly bean earlier. These guys can tell you when you get that Harry Potter jelly bean packet, which ones to avoid. Actually, that's a bullshit. They probably can't. But check them out. Paul's to the wall. I can't recommend these guys high enough as people, as libertarians, and as podcasters. So please do give them a jingle-ingle-ingle with your ears. Paul's to the wall anywhere podcasts are heard. If anyone is psychotic enough <coughs> to come try to disrupt our fundraiser and party event, which I graciously placed not in conflict with the Saturday night fundraising event, you know, if anyone wants to be that psychotic and disrupt the uh, an event where we're trying to grow the Liberty movement and the party, they're going to have to punch me in the face to get in. Like I want them to, to be like, okay, so I'm the kind of kind of guy who's willing to punch a chick in the face mm -hmm. to disrupt an event. That's the line. So I think, you know, that's how I'd like to handle it. Yeah. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. If anyone does try to get crazy with me, because I hope I, I want I everyone to film it. To it. Please <laughs> everyone film it. You know, I'll take one right on the chin for the team. I want to see you and Hotep Jesus back to back, like some sort of terrible action film. You know, we could call it uh, yeah. Black Chocolate and White Lightning, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Okay. We'll, we'll get down. you both some nunchucks. Like this? Yeah, exactly. Or it's, or it's like in a, in a battle stance and you do that yep. thing, where you spin around and kick people in the face together. I could do that. I could yeah. do that. I believe in you. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it's a very exciting event. And like, again, how many times have we had somebody. Speak at a libertarian event, you know, and people are scared of speaking at libertarian events, right? It's almost considered yeah. political poison, uh, career poison, societal yeah. poison. But this is the kind of people we have to look to embrace, you know, people that have a huge following that do overlap with us so much intellectually. And, and look, you know, I don't agree with everything, obviously, that that uh, Hotep Jesus has to say, that Brian Sharp has to say. But there's enough where I've listened to his podcast. I follow his Twitter. You know, I've retweeted mm -hmm. some stuff. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of hate there. It seems like there's a lot of openness to conversation and dialogue between the two of us. And I'd be surprised if, I mean, look, where are the hoteps going to go politically? They're not going right. to go to the Democrats. They're not going to go to the Republicans. Wouldn't we be the natural place for we these people? Be. And, and if we're, so it's, it's difficult for libertarians who are very sucked into like the toxic elements of the party culture to maintain neutrality on mm -hmm. the, on the issues of cultural conservatism versus, you know, uh, cultural libertinism. They, this is the litmus test. Will you allow people who are more culturally conservative to join your party? As long as they're not trying to change the platform of the, the party to be culturally conservative. Right. Because you should, right? Because we're we're very quick to jump to table at LGBT events, uh, conservative members of the party included. We want to include uh, gay people. We want to include trans people. We want them to feel like they have a political home. There's no reason that we can't extend that same courtesy to people who have a different quote unquote lifestyle. Yeah. 
Exactly. There's no reason. Uh, exactly. And that's how we grow too. We, you want to get liberty minded principled people. And if they're culturally conservative, that's okay. Same as it's okay to reach out to sex workers or only fans, people or whatever. Like if you, if you hate the government and you love personal freedom, you belong with us. Right. Exactly. Well, it's also one of those things too, where, you know, I talk about on the show a lot, how you reach people, you know, how do you convert people to libertarian thinking and how it's just finding that commonality and then letting that grow through dialogue and conversation, you know, just planting the seed. So are we going to go through life only accepting people that agree with us already? Well, good luck fucking finding them. Number one. We're not even, we can't even do that. We're already running those people off. (laughs) Exactly. We have this mindset where we're like, It's like we jump over a dollar to pick up a nickel. So the people who are liberty-minded ex-GOP or they're only in the GOP because they want to vote in the primaries or something, but they are libertarian, will shun them. Mm. And then people who are what I call heretical left, they're left of center. They're all about free speech. We don't have them on economics yet, but they've got everything else libertarian. Well, we hate them too because they're not politically correct. So Mm. what does it leave left? It leaves, uh, well, toxic neocons, if you're like the former party chair inviting them, or (laughs) just like the far left progressives. That's like terrible. Why don't we go after the obvious, like low hanging fruit? Yeah, exactly. It's just, and that's why, you know, getting back to the messaging topic, why I think you'll be such a good chair personally, and why I think obviously the Mises Caucus messaging overall is like vitally important is to get back to that core messaging, which is number one. You know, consistency is key and having a strong, consistent message to to tell people, look, we're different for a reason. We're inspiring. a li- You know, there does have to be a little bit more of a religious fervor to how we view things. You know, yeah. going along with the lockdowns is a prime example. Oh, we're for freedom, but not right now. So, you know, it's got to be fucking fervent. It's got to be religious. Yeah. We do not accept this. We will stand up for your rights. Kind of like the ACLU used to be before they, you know, rolled over and died and uh, got but fucked by the left. So, right. you know, that messaging that, and I think that comes back to how we're going to reach a lot of these people is if you have that strong core messaging, people will gravitate towards you naturally. And it's just, at that point, it's just our job not to fuck it up and turn them away. Yes, exactly. And that's a cultural thing within the party. It is. And that's another thing that we need to work on is party culture, which mm-hmm. is, it's another thing that I really appreciate about the Mises caucus is, okay. So there's, there's a big Facebook group where everybody sort of swims in this like Mises caucus soup. And you know, we get new people in and they say cringy stuff or whatever. That's, that's okay. There are new people in a giant, massive Facebook group. But when you look at the membership and the other, L, the other, you know, platforms that we use to communicate with like dedicated members, we don't have this infighting. We don't mm-hmm. have this nastiness. Uh, if somebody, screws up and post something stupid on like a state Twitter account. We talk about it like adults and we're like, sorry about that. We won't do it again. You know, like when we put stuff in place to make sure that it doesn't happen, people get, you know, ejected for crappy behavior and moderators talk about it. And we like, we have like a system in place to safeguard our membership and also to keep things on track. So we have like a good environment. Mm-hmm. And and because we have those sort of things, like we don't have a bunch of uh, infighting and nastiness. I guess you know the other thing too is like we're we're a united front on on principled messaging. We right. want the same things, right? So I would like to see that happen at the national party level too, where people are are singularly focused on libertarianism and they're not fighting over stupid stuff, yeah. and they're not letting that get in the way of organizing. 
That's an interesting way to, to put the Mises Caucus in perspective that I haven't really thought about is that, you know, you can rarely say that really about almost any political party or caucus and, and definitely not about the Libertarian Party as a whole. But yeah, the Mises Caucus came together. It was created for really the sole purpose of let's get back to the core messaging. Let's avoid all this, you know, this bullshit we're adding on and tacking on the edges to try to chase these other population groups and get back to a core strength, which is what the Libertarianism actually stands for. And I mean, and that's sort of the component of the messaging that's so vital to the party too. And I'm sure you have thoughts on it. You know, I, I did a whole episode about it, which now sounds stupid because I was talking about how we don't need to emphasize the fed. And then we went and fucking locked people in houses and printed all this other shit and game stocks and all this. But anyway, uh, point being, I think one of the most vital things that we have to get back to or, or figure, figure out a way to convey is a simple, not Gary Johnson way of describing libertarians what we believe and what we stand for so that people aren't confused and being able to easily be led astray by left-wing media or by right-leaning politicians who declare themselves libertarians when they're the farthest thing from it. You know, neocons right. in libertarian clothing. Right. Like Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, and that's a branding issue and it's a, and it's a challenge because there's a, there's a depth to libertarianism that people don't realize. And it's a young party. You know, it's only been around since the 60s. So it doesn't have decades and decades of bullshit to build upon. But we're working on the bullshit. We're working on it. I think that the Mises Caucus and and what I want to do is, is something that actually hasn't been tried before in the party. So for the people who say, oh, but the party has been around for 50 years and you haven't done much. Well, I don't think we've tried to do much. Yeah. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's sort of like this is what the treasurer of the uh, the new treasurer of the Nevada LP said. It's like inheriting a startup. Mm -hmm. We're sort of, you know, we have infrastructure in place, but we haven't done a lot of work as far as like, there's been no market research done at the national level. That's, that doesn't exist. You know, we haven't done any thorough message testing. We don't know what mm -hmm. our message is. We don't establish meaningful goals. We don't track them. So we have an infrastructure. We have a party, we have a membership and we have registered voters, but Aside from that, you know, I think they're just now finally getting around to trying to do an org structure. There's no yeah. organizational chart. So yeah. there's a lot of work to be done. But the good thing is that that means we have a lot of room for growth. So I'm yeah. optimistic. Damn well right. Well, tell people where they can join and find out more information about the Mises Caucus. And then we'll get into a couple little news news items because, you know, I don't like to have these shows be just interviews anymore. I found my numbers fucking drop. So tell people a little bit more where they can find you. Uh, California Mises Caucus, Mises Caucus overall, where they can support you and follow you on social and all that good stuff. So uh, you can find out more about my chair race and what conventions I'll be at at AngelaMcArdle.com. And there's a link to my Patreon on that as well. If you want to join the Mises Caucus, you can go to LPMisesCaucus.com. And to find out more about the California event, uh, which is May 14th, you can go to CAMisesCaucus.com. Uh, we do. We are organized at the state level as well. It's pretty great. There you go. Awesome. Um, all right. So let's segue into just a couple of stories. And now one of them is a natural kind of thing that I want to talk about with you because, you know, lockdowns, vaccine passports, everything else. You know, we obviously we had Dave Smith, who was uh, informally or I guess formally informally. I don't know. He, he declared he will be running for president in 2024, which is very exciting and interesting. And of course, he went on the world's biggest platform as far as reach of Joe Rogan to uh, to to convey that. 
But, you know, that wasn't the thing that got all of the news attention, sadly. You know, we, you would have liked all the headlines to be about Dave Smith runs for president. Though they were instead about Joe Rogan supposedly being an anti-vaxxer and, uh, and the perspective that how dare you advocate for people to live a healthy lifestyle, to uh, be young, and to not have to get injected with the vaccine, which raised the question to me of... When you're talking to people about vaccines, right? And obviously, this shit is not going to be going away anytime soon. And I'm hoping that you're going to get a lot of attention and a spotlight put on you. How do you talk to people about vaccines? You know, what did you think about the media response to Joe Rogan, number one? And how would you handle this? Well, the media response to Joe Rogan is exactly what I thought it would be. You know, they're just going to push the agenda of mandatory coronavirus vaccinations. And even if it's not going to be mandatory at the federal level, they want to shame everyone and use social pressure. So I guess props to them for trying to use the power of persuasion. (laughs) But I don't agree with it because the entire thing is premised upon government narratives and research that I find to be severely lacking. And I try to remind people of that. And when people talk about having absolute faith in Dr. Fauci, I I can't really relate to them, but I, I just set that aside. And I, I try to remind them that this is the same government that brought you DDT, Tuskegee mm-hmm. experiments, forced sterilization for gays yep. earlier in the year, weapons of mass destructive destruction in Iraq not that long ago. Well, and arguably, weren't they, weren't they forcibly sterilizing women at the border right now? I thought that I read something about IUDs being uh, right. forced upon women right. coming into the country from Mexico. I too. read the articles. I. I don't know whether or not it is true. It's suspect. It's very suspect. So, you know, the burden of proof is on them, the government, to prove that I should trust them with anything. Uh, There's no reason that I should have to trust them with with my bodily autonomy. I just try to remind people, like, you know, we've got a long history of them wrecking things and everything has been pushed by them. And, you know, I hate the FDA. I'm I'm not all about making everything go through FDA processes, but the libertarian argument for removing that is that we are going to put forward safety standards and be open and forthright with information. And in my opinion, these vaccines haven't been tested long enough to try to be forcing them on everyone. Yeah. And younger and younger people as well, of course, at this point. People who are still developing. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly right. And, And a brand new, you know, basically this RNA concept coming into play, but it's also something where the media, right, they went out of their way to point out, and this is a response from the White House. That's how big Joe Rogan is that the White House has yep. to issue a, a, a statement on, <laughs> on how he's not a doctor. Right. So that was basically what their concept was. Let's just remind Joe Rogan that he's not a doctor. And to that, I had to shake my fucking head because, you know, Obviously, trust the experts has been this this and trust the science, right? Follow the science has been a phrase that's been thrown around so many times. Meanwhile, we've had media censorship, you know, social media censorship of a changing story wherein they would censor something that then came out to be false, you know, right. irre- irrevocably, provably false. And as people that just have common sense, we are now being told that you're not even allowed to have common sense because to have common sense makes you somebody that thinks they're a doctor and you, Angela, are definitively not a doctor. I am not a doctor, although I did work as an assistant medical researcher for one of the top dermatologists in the world Ah, and I'm a craniosacral therapist, but I'm not a doctor. People, I say (laughs) that and then people are like, oh, 
well, that just means you're a quack because you have like a medical opinion, but not a medical degree. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> like, well, it's just okay. amazing to see. You know, it's yeah. also like, you know, the, the fascination now, the, you know, the left with taking down big corporations, taking down big pharma, you know, how they're the devil. And now they've embraced them with open arms and how they are now the saviors of the world. I just read that Pfizer made $3.5 billion off the first round of vaccines. It's so confusing, right? Like big yeah. pharma back in 2013, 2014, they were still evil and the devil. And now they're literally saving humanity and we can't question them. Yep. Uh, can't, it, can't bring it up unless, it, or you're selfish and killing people. Does anyone remember Vioxx and how that killed a bunch of people and had to be taken off the market? And there was a whistleblower named Brandy Vaughn and whole thing. Uh, I, it's like, it's like everyone's memory is just co- conveniently selectively wiped. Right. I mean, it's like, it's almost one of those things where it's, and I've said this before on the show, it's one of those things where I'm convinced that people are going along with this, which they've never. I mean, if you suggested such a thing as mandatory vaccines or vaccine passports or not or being locked in your house, even to people, they would say that's insane. It can never happen in America. It's not not permitted. But once the first step got taken, right, once people agreed with the lockdowns, once they acknowledged and mentally bought into it, which destroyed mm-hmm. lives, which closed businesses, they can see just walking around. You can see the, the carnage played out, right? Yes. These people are so committed now, they cannot go back. And if that includes getting shot up with a, a you know, exp- uh, not exploratory, a um, vaccine that hasn't been properly tested, they will go along with it. Because at this point, if they don't, they are bad people and they can't accept that. What do you right. think about that theory? So this is, it's interesting. It's sort of like the intersection between two different theories on how bad things happen in the government. So there's the, cons- the the conspiracy theory that it's all evil and perpetrated by evil people who want to harm us and control us. And then there's the, the, the competing theory that it's just by people who are incompetent. What I think often happens is incompetent people can get the ball rolling and they screw mm-hmm. up, like with the social distancing model that was based off of something a teenage girl did for a paper. Yep. So... So this is dumb and it, it, it was it was a genuine stupid thing to do, but it wasn't done with malicious intent. And then further down the road, people find out, oh, that was really stupid. We shouldn't have done that. This doesn't make any sense. It's not based on anything reliable. And then they think, but now we're too far along in the narrative. Mm-hmm. We can't change it. And then you're morally culpable for your actions because now you know what you did was wrong and you're not willing to go and say, you know what, we fucked up. Yep. That's kind of what I think happens in a lot of scenarios. And I think that it's very likely that we'll see that with vaccine manufacturing as well. A yeah. lot of people are talking about side effects now, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, t- I mean, there's side effects coming out and I've seen it in pregnant women. There's obviously the blood clot issue. But what's terrifying to me is knowing that there are these side effects and knowing that we have a population that's being mass inoculated Right. And also there's again, this is I didn't read enough of this article to go into it, but also there's been suggestions that the government is actually suppressing some of the reports from vaccine. Yes. Uh, you know, reactions. Yes. But to say now, as Fauci's doing that, well, we have to vaccinate teens. We have to vaccinate young people is just madness, considering the fact that young people we already know are, are almost invulnerable to the disease or the pandemic right. or whatever you want to call it as far as getting deeply ill from it. But also. That if these people have already been out in circulation, we're back in schools now, we're out and playing, oh, my kid's been in daycare. Granted, she's homesick now, not with COVID, and I'm sick now, not with COVID, but they've been out circulating. 
if this thing is so prevalent, if it can spread so quickly, if it's so, so absolutely virulent that we need to be terrified and living in, in fear at all times, shouldn't they have all had it? And if so, do they don't need to get vaccinated anyway. Gentlemen and ladies, have you ever sat down and thought to yourself, God, I suck at life. I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not long enough. My cups are too small. Well, I've got a solution for you, and that is C.W. Booth Weich's new books. Well, one of them is new. Narco slash Lepsy and Buffalo on Main Street. This is a libertarian author who has been supporting this show. You probably have heard me talk about him before, but you have to check his books out. Anywhere, Kindle, in the bookstore, in paperback. I don't know. Probably if you go to a bus stop, somebody, some illuminated person has left them there like they leave behind literature from the gods. Like we spread around the Rothbardian teachings. This is C.W. Booth White, guys. But check him out. Narco slash Lepsy is a story that really ties into our libertarian roots. It's about people who want to take down and blow up a federal building. What could really touch your heart more than that, especially at this date, at this point in time of our lives? But guys, it's not just that. It's that these things he promises you. This man who I trust implicitly promises you that they will 100% increase your libido. You don't need any more of the Viagras. You don't need those, those blue pills that they sell on other podcasts. All you need is to buy these books. All you need is to sit these books in someone's room adjacent to you, and they will be cream in their jeans. You will need to have panties galore and or ladies, I'm not just saying it goes one way here, and probably new socks for the men who have quite the deep ball sacks. But no, guys, really, check these books out. They're going to be fantastic. You are going to love them, and you're supporting a libertarian author. You're supporting our podcast, who this libertarian author has decided to support What's not to love? Go spend $10 on a goddamn book and support a libertarian and maybe get a little fun out of it while you're at it. Again, C.W. Booth Weich, W-Y-C-H-E, and that is Buffalo on Main Street and Narco slash Lepsy. Check them out. We need more authors in the mainstream being successful. Boys and girls, this is a way to do that. Help spread libertarian influence. Right. I I haven't had coronavirus yet. I have traveled all over the country in the last year. Uh, you know, I'm technically quote unquote immunocompromised in a weird way, but um, I haven't had it. I have had no viral infections. I went to Florida, Orlando for the national convention when that was like the epicenter, the hotspot, you know, yeah. of this whole thing. It's possible to not catch it. And young people who are healthy have a history. It's just a statistically much lower rate of catching it. When I cross-examined one of these government fools at the Orange County level while while I was in a – I did a trial. I, I did a trial to defend a business that had defied the lockdowns, and they were in trouble with alcoholic beverage control. And alcoholic beverage control dragged on this total fool who worked for Orange County's infectious disease control, and we had him admit on – you know, on the record during trial that there had been one COVID related death of someone under 18 in Orange County for the entire year. Yeah. And when pressed on the details of whether or not that person was immunocompromised or had some other contributing factor, he wouldn't tell us. Of course not. Of course not. Isn't that, how is he not found to be in contempt of court, by the way? Oh, was, it's he, a, was he saying it was a protected by the state and health records or something like that? Yeah, the whole thing was a kangaroo court and an absolute mess. It's an administrative court. And I just, 
had absolute contempt for the proceedings. It disgusted me. But but that's the that's the other thing people need to understand about this whole narrative is that so much of it is pushed by government. They're okay with it. Like they're not being neutral. They have picked a side. Mm-hmm. And I that makes me suspicious, right? And I don't run around saying, you know, coronavirus is uh, a fake thing it's microchips that's activated by 5g (laughs) and godzilla and the planet nibiru whatever i'm just like i'm not confident that the government is telling the story i'm not confident of the numbers they report there are financial incentives for people to exaggerate them Mm -hmm. and the government has you know authoritarian incentives to keep us locked up and you know, take away our rights and make us dependent on their programs. So well, I just, for just question st- it. Stability of the system, right? Think about this, right? If there's one thing you'd think would cause a revolution, and as Americans, we don't revolt often, unless it's obviously for some super woke cause that'll get you a lot of likes, like uh, right. like BLM. But we have too good to revolt for the most part. But the government, right? And let's let's pretend that they were good actors in the beginning, like you're talking about, just incompetent people who decided that locking us down was the best thing for everybody. Now. If they say, you know what, we fucked that up. We're wrong, you guys. You don't don't need to get vaccinated. This was never a big deal. Who is really going to be confident that they're going to stay in that position? That there won't be a impossibly violent rebuttal to that lockdown that has ruined lives and put people out, you know, cost them their homes. That is a very dangerous prospect if you're in the government. So, of course, you're going to do everything possible to avoid that truth coming out. Yeah, this is why this is why large government is a bad idea. They have a vested interest in not being held accountable for their actions. Yeah, and precisely. I want to see the LP champion this. You know, I want to see us just spell it out. You know, this is the problem. These are there are many problems and and pitfalls with authoritarian rule like this. Let's just let's be open about it. Um, yeah, it's well, really concerning to me. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Well, I was just going to ask a joke question. So finish your thought. <laughs> so I have, I have Crohn's disease. I talk about it pretty publicly and, you know, I'm in better shape now than I was before. I wouldn't be running otherwise. But for, for someone in my situation, I, I have a very weird immune system. It's very intense. I don't get sick. I don't catch viruses. I haven't had a cold, anything like that in almost almost four years at this point. I just don't get sick. Uh, you know, I get bleeding ulcers and things like that. So my immune system kind of problematic. But uh, one thing that the doctor has stressed to me many times, and that is on the insert of any autoimmune drug is to be very careful with vaccinations, you should not take vaccines, you should talk to your doctor, uh, definitely don't ever take a live attenuated vaccine, uh, use extreme caution with with injecting anything like that into your body. And so I, I can't take this crap, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of whatever your opinions are and whether it's good for you or not, minimal side effects, I can't take it. And I see now that people question that and they're like, you're a liar. You're just saying that because you're a COVID denier. So mm-hmm. one of the problems that we have out of this narrative is people are, you know, potentially trying to threaten other people's health and safety. Um, that really disturbs me. Well, I agree. It's like when they call people selfish, right? That's the big narrative now. That's what every friend of mine that I've gotten an argument about this because I don't plan on getting vaccinated. I just don't Me see neither. a reason for it. Uh, they go, well, you're so selfish. Why? How can you be so selfish? I go, well, aren't you being selfish? You uh, want to go out there. You want to get back to your normal life. You want to, you know. If you want to throw caution to the wind and take this and take the risk, and we know there are risks, well, then mm-hmm. that's on you. 
aren't you being selfish by then demanding that I take it and or somebody like you that has a real a real health risk to it that we have an unknown you know health risk to younger children and yet they're going to demand that people go on lockstep with this mm-hmm. and just get shot up with this you know again still experimental uh vaccine and I just think it's the height of hypocrisy it is it is and it freaks me out that, but but this is a really good glimpse into tell, into showing what kind of mindset people have that yeah. they really do want to lord their authority over you. You know, I'm very glad that most of my friends are not in government because they would have absolutely forcibly injected me with this, locked <laughs> me up, thrown me in prison for protesting against the lockdowns. Like they that is the mentality of a lot of people who are on the far left, you know, like Oh, a, for sure. Especially progressive upper middle class white people. They oh, yeah. really feel that they should have the power to just, you know, issue orders left and right. Those are the exact people that I've had the most arguments with. Well, this, so we're already out of about an hour. I was going to make a joke. You know, you mentioned Bill Gates and and you're, you know, I don't know if you're in a relationship now, but you were famously single in and out of relationships. Not to say you're a promiscuous woman about town, but it was kind of a thing you joke about on your Facebook page. So Bill Gates, is he on your short list to, uh, to go after? He's getting a divorce. Did you not hear this? I did. Um, not for dates, you know, maybe like with some like ex-military guys, you know, maybe we could take him out together. Oh, uh, good. Not Black Widow him. <laughs> no, I, yeah, Bill Gates is, uh, he freaks me out. You know, he's also not a medical doctor like Joe Rogan. So I guess we you never know. Him. Nobody ever goes on. No, the mainstream media never reminds Bill Gates that he's not a doctor despite all his medical advice, do they? Shocking. Yeah, no, I do have a boyfriend now, and he he also right. hates Bill Gates, which is good. So, uh, so no a, chance for the threesome. That's oh terrible. yeah, no, no. Oh man, not for <laughs> not for fifty four billion dollars or whatever it is. What's he worth? I don't even know. I just made oh, that well, up. half of what he was worth before. After this is all done, we know that. <laughs> all right, so I, Leo. Go ahead, Angela. No, yeah, say they're like um, they're just they're just like a like a virus self replicating right now. I'm not. I don't even buy the divorce. No, you might be right. It might be a, a smokescreen. They're gonna they're I mean, gonna marry and then keep growing and then that'll divorce and then grow and grow. Yeah, it's frightening. They they both just have millions of dollars. They're like, we're gonna get those anti vaxxers. We're gonna get those last holdouts. We'll take them to wine and dine it. Then we'll take them back to the apartment and just yeah. inject them. Yeah. All right, so let's go out on something funny here. At least I think funny. I'm gonna share this. I have this video right. It's uh, a CIA commercial. We'll, we'll end this on a, on a high note here, a funny note. It's a CNN commercial, or sorry, a CIA commercial to show you just where the government has gone to insofar as the way in which they recruit their spooks. So let me just share a screen here, and I should be able to share the audio as well. All right. So there we go. Here's the video. So let me play this for you, and if you can't hear it, let me know. When I was 17, I quoted Zora Neale Hurston's How It Feels to Be Colored Me in my college application essay. The line that spoke to me stated simply, I am not tragically colored. There is no sorrow dammed up in my soul nor lurking behind my eyes. I do not mind at all. At 17, I had no idea what life would bring, but Zora's sentiment articulated so beautifully how I felt as a daughter of immigrants then and now. Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. 
I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am intersectional, but my existence is not a box checking exercise. I am a walking declaration. A woman whose inflection does not rise at the end of her sentences, suggesting that a question has been asked. I did not sneak into CIA. My employment was not and is not the result of a fluke or slip through the cracks. I earned my way in and I earned my way up the ranks of this organization. I am educated, qualified, and competent. And sometimes I struggle. I struggle feeling like I could do more, be more to my two sons. And I struggle leaving the office when I feel there's so much more to do. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. I am proud of me, full stop. My parents left everything they knew and loved to expose me to opportunities they never had. Because of them, I stand here today a proud first-generation Latina and officer at CIA. I am unapologetically me. I want you to be unapologetically you, whoever you are. Know your worth. Command your space. All right, there you go. How how about that? <laughs> Woke is a CIA psyop. <laughs> I just, I couldn't fucking believe that shit i mean just the it's like she's like i am not a box to check meanwhile i'm like watch this like there's a checkbox cisgender millennial so i'm bilingual so many checkboxes <laughs> i i'm excited to know that there's mentally ill people in the intelligence field thank god that's uh, the only way we're going to slip through the cracks that we're going to slip through the cracks even though she didn't i'm glad that we're finally more egalitarian and we have brown people murdering brown people <laughs> exactly uh, well i'm like i'm thinking i'm like she's like i'm proud of being here i it's like it's like great so you're you're uh it's good that we've got the different people of color so they can lure people into you know these traps that they're setting for them or overthrow dictators in guatemala i mean sure she's very useful in that regard oh i'm sure yeah i struggle leaving the office knowing that there are more people to kill tonight wow like her <laughs> that was that was pretty intense. Um, I just imagine her. She's changing a toddler in one, or she's changing a baby in one hand, and you know, patting a toddler on the head in the other hand. And on her Bluetooth, she's like, "All right, that's a go. Go ahead and drop those drone bombs yeah, and just bla yeah. blasting Maybe. black kids." You know, just <laughs> well, women are really good at multitasking. So that you know. they do say that they do say that. Yeah, I just I couldn't believe I had to share that with you before we go because you know it's one of those funny things that we see. And this has been, you know, I'm not the first one to talk about this, uh, and I'm sure I won't be the last, but it's amazing to see the pivot the military has taken oh, yeah. to covering their tracks with, you know, excusing the bombing runs that we do in Saudi Arabia or, or help Saudi Arabia with or any any of these intrusions into Africa, in the Middle East, to say, well, we're, we're doing it for women's rights. We're doing it for gay rights, even though the United States, by the way, notoriously voted against the UN resolution that would have, I believe— it was condemning the killing of homosexuals. And the reason they did it was because it was capital punishment and the U.S. still is capital punishment. Yeah, we got to blast those bigoted Muslims right off the face of the what? That yeah. what? Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. But you know what? On the bright side, if this is the direction that the CIA and the military are going in, the Libertarian Party isn't in that bad of shape. That, I agree. And also, right, we, we're talking about, hey, meet your diversity quotas, 
lower, you know, like Please just do. I, I just Please get do. the get the shittiest people in there to check all the boxes you want. That's what I want. I want a lowering of the standard as far as across the board. I want lower competence across the board. Not to say that bringing in people of color is going to lower that standard. That's not what I'm saying. But look, when you make quotas, you are automatically not going to get the best people in at any position. That's I want I want mentally disabled people at the CIA. I want nothing but mentally mm-hmm. disabled people. I completely agree. More wheelchairs at the CIA. They All should right. hire that guy who freaked out at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Angela, this has been uh, awesome as always. Thank you for joining me here on Electric Liberty Land. Uh, reminded everybody. So Mises Caucus, I, uh, as I said, I am a supporter. I am a member of that. I will be going to the event here in uh, California on the 14th in Visalia. I will uh, look to uh, to catch up there with any of you that come out. I also will be going to the event on the 8th, at least uh, at least for an hour. I don't know how much I can take vegetarian Israeli cuisine, but I'm going to come out, meet Anthony Samaroff, and obviously say hi to Angela. So if you're in the LA area, come out to that as well. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, the Mises Caucus for me, it, it's the most exciting thing going on. I uh, obviously strongly support Dave Smith's candidacy. I strongly support Angela's candidacy. And uh, I'm not going to be shy about voicing that and vocalizing that. So there you go, guys. Angela McArdle, tell the people what you want to know. Do you have a sign-off? Do you have a catchphrase for your campaign? Uh, Be bold and be brave and be libertarian. And come to our event on the 14th because my auction fundraiser items are going to blow your mind. That's all Ah, I'm going to say. All right. Oh, yeah. You stole some of my bathwater, right? That's right. Yes. Podcaster bathwater. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on ELL. So that'll wrap it up with Angela McArdle, a a wonderful person, by the way. I've always been a big fan of Angela out here and, of course, knew her before her chairmanship. I can say I knew her way back when. But, uh, guys, at the end of the show, I want to remind you to always check out our Monday through Thursday lineup. Of course, we are the greatest libertarian variety show that has ever existed Mark Claire on Mondays with his in-depth interviews with people in the Liberty Movement. He just had Spike Cohen on. Of course, you might have heard of him. He ran with uh, with the Joe Jorg. I got myself, me and myself and I, on Wednesdays. And then John Odermatt on Thursday with Finding Freedom, which, if you haven't listened, has expanded its focus and now talks a lot about not only freedom within the criminal justice system, but finding freedom overall, economically, entrepreneurship, uh, and that much more. So check that show out. We wanted to broaden the base there. And also, guys, if you haven't joined the Lions of Liberty Pride, I don't know what you're doing with your life. I do daily, well, except for Tuesday morning because uh, my baby was sick and I had to deal with that. But I've been doing daily rants, about five to ten minutes here. It's called Good Morning Fuckhead. It's probably the best thing you're ever going to hear. I've been told by people that this is what the show should be. Instead of me doing a weekly show like this, it should be all Good Morning Fuckhead all the time. And you are missing out if you're not jumping on this train. You can join at lionsofliberty.com. Oh, no, what am I talking about? See, I'm sick. You can join at patreon.com forward slash lionsofliberty and get that content plus so much more conspiracy corners, do nothing man episodes, live streams of various podcasts like this very one. Of course, degenerate gamblers, we just did our, uh, our uh, super, or not our NFL draft picks and Vegas stories. So, Yeah, check that all out, guys. Anyway, that's it for me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into liberty.